Chapter Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume One by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two, The Ogress. The White Rabbit is situated in the centre of the Rue aux Fèves. This tavern occupies the ground floor of a lofty house, the front of which is formed by two windows, which are styled a guillotine. Hanging from the front of the door leading to a dark and arched passage was an oblong lamp on the cracked panes of which were written in red letters nightly lodgings here the chourineur the unknown and the goualeuse entered into a large but low apartment with the ceiling smoked and crossed by black rafters just visible by the flickering light of a miserable suspended lamp the cracked walls formerly covered with plaster were now ornamented in places with coarse drawings or sentences of flash and obscenity the floor composed of earth beaten together with saltpetre was thick with dirt an armful of straw an apology for a carpet was placed at the foot of the ogress's counter which was at the right hand of the door just beneath the dim lantern on each side of this room there were six tables one end of each of which was nailed to the wall as well as the benches on either side of them at the farther end was a door leading to a kitchen on the right near the counter was a passage which led into a den where persons slept for the night at three halfpence a head a few words will describe the ogress and her guests the lady was called mother ponice her triple trade consisted in letting furnished apartments keeping a public-house and lending clothes to the miserable creatures who infest these foul streets the ogress was about forty years of age bulky fat and heavy she had a full colour and strong symptoms of a beard her deep voice her enormous arms and coarse hands betokened uncommon strength she wore on her cap a large red and yellow handkerchief a shawl of rabbit skin was crossed over her bosom and tied behind her woollen gown fell upon black wooden shoes scorched almost black by the small stove at which she warmed her feet and to crown her beauty she had a copper complexion which the use of strong liquors had materially tended to heighten the counter covered with lead was decked with jugs with iron hoops and various pewter measures in an open cupboard fastened to the wall there were several flasks of glass so fashioned as to represent the pedestrian figure of the emperor these bottles contained sundry cordials red and green in colour and known by the names of drops for the brave ratafia of the column etc etc a large black cat with green eyes was sitting near the ogress and seemed the familiar demon of the place then in strange contrast a holy branch of boxwood bought at church by the ogress was suspended at the back of an old cuckoo clock two marvellously ill-favoured fellows with unshaven beards and their garb all in tatters hardly tasted of the pitcher of wine before them and conversed together in low voices and with uneasy aspect one of the two very pale and livid pulled from time to time his shabby skull-cap over his brows and concealed as much as possible his left hand and even when compelled to use it he did so with caution further on there was a young man hardly sixteen years of age with beardless chin and a countenance wan wrinkled and heavy his eyes dull and his long black hair straggling down his neck this youthful rake the emblem of precocious vice was smoking a short black pipe his back was resting against the wall and his two hands were in the pockets of his blouse and his legs stretched along the bench he did not cease smoking for a moment unless it was to drink from a cannikin of brandy placed before him 
the other inmates of the tapis franc men and women presented no remarkable characteristics there was the ferocious or embruted face the vulgar and licentious mirth but from time to time there was a deep and dull silence such were the guests of the tapis franc when the unknown the chourineur and the goualeuse entered these three persons play such important parts in our recital that we must put them in relief the chourineur was a man of lofty stature and athletic make with hair of a pale brown nearly white thick eyebrows and enormous whiskers of deep red the sun's rays misery and the severe toil of the galleys had bronzed his skin to that deep and olive hue which is peculiar to convicts in spite of his horrible nickname his features did not express ferocity but a sort of coarse familiarity and irrepressible audacity we have said already that the chourineur was clothed in trousers and frock of blue cotton and on his head he had one of those large straw hats usually worn by workmen in timber-yards and barge emptiers the goualeuse was perhaps about sixteen and a half years old a forehead of the purest and whitest surmounted a face of perfect oval and angel-like expression a fringe of eyelids so long that they curled slightly half veiled her large blue eyes which had a melancholy expression the down of early youth graced cheeks lightly coloured with a scarlet tinge her small and rosy mouth which hardly ever smiled her nose straight and delicately chiselled her rounded chin had in their combined expression a nobility and a sweetness such as we can only find in the most beautiful of raphael's portraits on each side of her fair temples was a band of hair of the most splendid auburn hue which descended in luxuriant ringlets halfway down her cheeks and was then turned back behind the ear a portion of which ivory shaded with carnation was thus visible and was then lost under the close folds of a large cotton handkerchief with blue checks tied as it is called en marmotte her graceful neck of dazzling whiteness was encircled by a small necklace of grains of coral her gown of brown stuff though much too large could not conceal a charming form supple and round as a cane a worn-out small orange-coloured shawl with green fringe was crossed over her bosom the lovely voice of the goualeuse had made a strong impression on her unknown defender and in sooth that voice so gentle so deliciously modulated and harmonious had an attraction so irresistible that the horde of villains and abandoned women in the midst of whom this unfortunate girl lived often begged her to sing and listened to her with rapture the goualeuse had another name given doubtless to the maiden sweetness of her countenance she was also called fleur de marie the defender of la goualeuse we shall call the unknown rodolphe appeared about thirty-six years of age his figure tall graceful and admirably proportioned yet did not betoken the astonishing vigour which he had displayed in his rencounter with the chourineur it would have been difficult to assign a decided character to the physiognomy of rodolphe certain wrinkles in his forehead betokened a man of meditation and yet the firm expression of his mouth the dignified and bold carriage of the head assured us of a man of action whose physical strength and presence of mind would always command an ascendancy over the multitude in his struggle with the chourineur rodolphe had neither betrayed anger nor hatred confident in his own strength his address and agility he had only shown a contempt for the brute beast which he subdued we will finish this bodily picture of rodolphe by saying that his features regularly handsome seemed too beautiful for a man his eyes were large and of a deep hazel 
his nose aquiline his chin rather projecting his hair bright chestnut of the same shade as his eyebrows which were strongly arched and his small moustache which was fine and silky thanks to the manners and the language which he assumed with so much ease rodolph was exactly like the other guests of the ogress round his graceful neck as elegantly modelled as that of the indian bacchus he wore a black cravat carelessly tied the ends of which fell on the collar of his blue blouse a double row of nails decorated his heavy shoes and except that his hands were of most aristocratic shape nothing distinguished him from the other guests of the tapis franc though in a moral sense his resolute air and what we may term his bold serenity place an immense distance between them on entering the tapis franc the chourineur laying one of his heavy hands on the shoulders of rodolph cried hail the conqueror of the chourineur yes my boys this springald has floored me and if any young gentleman wishes to have his rib smashed or his knob in chancery even including the schoolmaster and the skeleton here is their man i will answer for him and back him at these words all present from the ogress to the lowest ruffian of the tapis franc contemplated the victor of the chourineur with respect and fear some moving their glasses and jugs to the end of the table at which they were seated offered rodolph a seat if he were inclined to sit near them others approached the chourineur and asked him in a low voice for the particulars of this unknown who had made his entrance into their world in so striking a manner then the ogress accosting rodolph with one of her most gracious smiles a thing unheard of and almost deemed fabulous in the annals of the white rabbit rose from the bar to take the orders of her guest and know what he desired to have for the refreshment of his party an attention which she did not evince either to the schoolmaster or the skeleton two fearful ruffians who made even the chourineur tremble one of the men with the villainous aspect whom we have before described as being very pale hiding his left hand and continually pulling his cap over his brows leaned towards the ogress who was carefully wiping the table where rodolph had taken his seat and said to her in a hoarse tone hasn't the gros boiteux been here to-day no said mother ponice nor yesterday yes he came yesterday was calabash with him the daughter of martial who was guillotined you know whom i mean the martials of the ile de ravageur what do you take me for a spy with your questions do you think i watch my customers said the ogress in a brutal tone i have an appointment to-night with the gros boiteux and the schoolmaster replied the fellow we have some business together that's your affair a set of ruffians as you are all together ruffians said the man much incensed it is such ruffians you get your living by will you hold your jaw said the amazon with a threatening gesture and lifting as she spoke the pitcher she held in her hand the man resumed his place grumbling as he did so the gros boiteux has perhaps stayed to give that young fellow germain who lives in the rue du temple his gruel said he to his companion what do they mean to do for him no not quite but to make him more careful in future it appears he has blown the gaff in the job at nantes so bras rouge declares why that is gros boiteux's affair he has only just left prison and has his hands full already fleur de marie had followed the chourineur into the tavern of the ogress and he responding to a nod given to him by the young scamp with the jaded aspect said ah barbillon what pulling away at the old stuff 
yes i would rather fast and go barefoot any day than be without my drops for my throttle and the weed for my pipe said the rapscallion in a thick low hoarse voice without moving from his seat and puffing out volumes of tobacco smoke good evening fleur de marie said the ogress looking with a prying eye on the clothes of the poor girl clothes which she had lent her after her scrutiny she said in a tone of coarse satisfaction it's really a pleasure so it is to lend one's good clothes to you you are as clean as a kitten or else i would never have trusted you with that shawl such a beauty as that orange one is i would never have trusted it to such gals as tourneuse and boulotte but i have taken every care on you ever since you came here six weeks ago and if the truth must be said there is not a tidier nor more nicer girl than you in all the cite that there ain't though you be always so sad-like and too particular the goualeuse sighed turned her head and said nothing why mother said rodolph to the old hag you have got some holy boxwood i see over your cuckoo and he pointed with his finger to the consecrated bough behind the old clock why you heathen would you have us live like dogs replied the ogress then addressing fleur-de-marie she added come now goualeuse tip us one of your pretty little ditties goualante supper supper first mother ponice said the chourineur well my lad of wax what can i do for you said the ogress to rodolph whose good will she was desirous to conciliate and whose support she might perchance require ask the chourineur he orders i pay well then said the ogress turning to the bandit what will you have for supper you bad lot two quarts of the best wine at twelve sous three crusts of wheaten bread and a harlequin said the chourineur after considering for a few moments what he should order note five a harlequin is a collection of odds and ends of fish flesh and fowl after they come from table which the parisian providing for the class to which the chourineur belongs finds a profitable and popular composition ah you are a dainty dog i know and as fond as ever of them harlequins well now goualeuse said the chourineur are you hungry no chourineur would you like anything better than a harlequin my lass said rodolph no i thank you i have no appetite come now said the chourineur with a brutal grin look my master in the face like a jolly wench you have no objection i suppose the poor girl blushed and did not look at rodolph a few moments afterwards and the ogress herself placed on the table a pitcher of wine bread and a harlequin of which we will not attempt to give an idea to the reader but which appeared most relishing to the chourineur for he exclaimed dieu de dieu what a dish what a glorious dish it is a regular omnibus there is something in it to everybody's taste those who like fat can have it so can they who like lean as well as those who prefer sugar and those who choose pepper there's tender bits of chicken biscuits sausage tarts mutton bones pastry crust fried fish vegetables woodcock's heads cheese and salad come eat goualeuse eat it is so capital you have been to a wedding breakfast somewhere this morning no more than on other mornings i ate this morning as usual my half-porth of milk and my half-porth of bread the entrance of another personage into the cabaret interrupted all conversation for a moment and everybody turned his head in the direction of the newcomer 
who was a middle-aged man active and powerful wearing a loose coat and cap he was evidently quite at home in the tapis franc and in language familiar to all the guests requested to be supplied with supper he was so placed that he could observe the two ill-looking scoundrels who had asked after gros boiteux and the schoolmaster he did not take his eyes off them but in consequence of their position they could not see that they were the objects of such marked and constant attention the conversation momentarily interrupted was resumed in spite of his natural audacity the chourineur showed a deference for rodolph and abstained from familiarity by jove said he to rodolph although i have smarted for it yet i am very glad to have met with you what because you relish the harlequin why maybe so but more because i am all on the fret to see you serve out the schoolmaster to see him who has always crowed over me crowed over in his turn would do me good do you suppose then that for your amusement i mean to spring at the schoolmaster and pin him like a bulldog no but he'll have at you in a moment when he learns that you are a better man than he replied the chourineur rubbing his hands well i have coin enough left to pay him in full said rodolph in a careless tone but it is horrible weather what say you to a cup of brandy with sugar in it that's the ticket said the chourineur and that we may be better acquainted we will tell each other who we are added rodolph the albinos call the chourineur a freed convict worker at the wood that floats at st paul's quay frozen in the winter scorched in the summer from twelve to fifteen hours a day in the water half man half frog that's my description said rodolph's companion making him a military salute with his left hand well now and you my master this is your first appearance in the cite i don't mean anything to offend but you entered head foremost against my skull and beating the drum on my carcass by all that's ugly what a rattling you made especially with these blows with which you doubled me up i never can forget them thick as buttons what a torrent but you have some trade besides polishing off the chourineur i am a fan painter and my name is rodolph a fan painter ah that's the reason then that your hands are so white added the chourineur if all your fellow workmen are like you there must be a tidy lot of you but as you are a workman what brings you to a tapis franc in the cite where there are only prigs cracksmen or freed convicts like myself and you only come here because we cannot go elsewhere this is no place for you honest mechanics have their coffee-shops and don't talk slang i come here because i like good company gammon said the chourineur shaking his head with an air of doubt i found you in the passage of bras rouge well man never mind you say you don't know him what do you mean with all your nonsense about your bras rouge let him go to the stay master of mine you perhaps distrust me but you are wrong and if you like i will tell you my history but that is on condition that you teach me how to give those precious thumps which settled my business so quickly what say you i agree chourineur tell me your story and goualeuse will also tell hers very well replied the chourineur it is not whether to turn a manjicur out of doors and it will be an amusement do you agree goualeuse oh certainly but my story is a very short one said fleur de marie and you will have to tell us your history comrade rodolph 
added the chourineur well then i'll begin fan painter said goualeuse what a very pretty trade and how much can you earn if you stick close to work inquired the chourineur i work by the piece responded rodolph my good days are worth three francs sometimes four in summer when the days are long and you are idle sometimes you rascal yes as long as i have money though i do not waste it first i pay ten sous for my night's lodging your pardon monseigneur you sleep then at ten sous do you said the chourineur raising his hand to his cap the word monseigneur spoken ironically by the chourineur caused an almost imperceptible smile on the lips of rodolph who replied oh i like to be clean and comfortable here's a peer of the realm for you a man with minds of wealth exclaimed the chourineur he pays ten sous for his bed well then continued rodolph four sous for tobacco that makes fourteen sous four sous for breakfast eighteen fifteen sous for dinner one or two sous for brandy that all comes to about thirty-four or thirty-five sous a day i have no occasion to work all the week and so the rest of the time i amuse myself and your family said the goualeuse dead replied rodolph who were your friends asked the goualeuse dealers in old clothes and marine stores under the pillars of the market-place how did you spend what they left you inquired the chourineur i was very young and my guardian sold the stock and when i came of age he brought me in his debtor for thirty francs that was my inheritance and who is now your employer the chourineur demanded his name is gautier in the rue des bourdonnais a beast brute thief miser he would almost as soon lose the sight of an eye as pay his workmen now this is as true a description as i can give you of him so let's have done with him i learned my trade under him from the time when i was fifteen years of age i have a good number in the conscription and my name is rodolphe durand my history is told now it's your turn goualeuse said the chourineur i keep my history till last as a bonne bouche End of chapter two